Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that there is nothing people want to do more on Boxing Day than listen to a show about politics. That's definitely true for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Connor Pope and I'm joined by Progress Chair Alison McGovern, who hates Christmas. I do. Director Richard Angel, with today's guest, comedian and commentator Aisha Hazarika. We're going to be looking back at some highs and lows of the year and swapping Christmas stories from years gone by. So put on a new pair of socks, settle into a comfy armchair and try not to think about when you have to go back to work. <laughs> Aisha can't even open her Prosecco. I'm so done in <laughs> from Christmas. I'm trying to like... I'm, I'm too weak. weak. I'm too weak. I need help. Common endeavour. So sorry about this background noise. At Progress, we may not be renowned... <laughs> it's screwed up. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to pop a screwed up. It's all going really well. Look, there we are. You see? We're, we're trying to throw a... Christ- Brain's not brawn. <laughs> we're, tr- we're trying to throw a Christmas party for this episode, but... Um, by it's opening some bottles of Prosecco, but unfortunately <laughs> Aisha was confused about whether it was screw top or cork. To be fair, they were they were like mock cork. Look, it looked like you should pull it, whereas actually <laughs> underneath that stupid thing there was a screw top. So it wasn't entirely Aisha's fault. Yeah, I mean, they were just trying to crack a pull my cracker. Oh, okay, crackers. Woo! Hey, Alison. More crackers. You've got well, You've got to wear your hat throughout the I, I never wear hats and I make no exception just because of Christmas. Oh, I'll tell come you. on, Ali, you have to wear your hat. No, 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 no. Well, peer pressure into doing it. No. I should say. I'm my hat. I've got a red hat, which is highly appropriate. Which has got, got green a green hat. hat. Who's got the blue hat? Oh, <laughs> Connor's got the blue hat. Oh, oh no. Tories. Oh, my God, you're oh, so Tories. Tories. Such a Tory. All right, can we, uh, can we do our, our jokes? Uh, what do you serve but never eat? Oh. Um, like something to do with tennis. A tennis ball. Oh, yeah. Very good. Okay, uh, where do ghosts go swimming? Go um, on. The Dead Sea. Uh, oh, I was, uh, was going to go for uh, a swimming boo, but yeah, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't quite there. What are the frogs' favourite drink? 
Coca-Cola. Oh, oh, I was going to go for like ribbit, ribbit ribbine or something. <laughs> quite it's work. quite good. All those jokes are going to be appearing in my set later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> later on in the year, obviously. This is just like free writing for you. <laughs> exactly. This is just yeah, joke stealing. I've got cracker one more. Pull. Okay. So Alison can wear a hat. Nope. Whoa. Okay. It's like an orange one. Definitely not my colour. Don't wear orange hats with red hair, do you? Here's your joke. Okie dokie. How do sheep greet each other at Christmas? How do sheep greet each other at Christmas? Yuletide, yuled. And Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) Fabulous. Richard's having a mince pie. Richard loves a mince pie. He does because he went on the radio to test mince pies. Did you? I'm a professional mince pie taster. It's my new career. It's going to be amazing. Of all the things he's done, this I'm sure is now your favourite thing, isn't it? Mm. Is that when was that? It was no, it was an August mince pie tasting. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like a new career thing for you? I think it might be. I love doing it. What radio station was it? It was on talk radio. Oh my goodness! Mm. The home of public sector broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Should we make Richard talk whilst he's eating his mince pie? <laughs> I don't think we'd have given this. This is from M and S, which is a good right. brand and did come second in our tasting. But these mini ones, I've got. There's hardly any mince meat in them. God, you are mm. a professional. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Anyway. Don't you find mince pies are just like really dry? Not when you put brandy cream with them. <laughs> is that what you're Sorry. supposed to do? Of course you are. Oh, right. Goodness me. I never knew. Maybe that's why I don't like mince pies. I like when you find the Bailey's cream. Oh. Sometimes I just put Bailey's on them, actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> love it. Basically, everything is made better with a good glug of Bailey's. <laughs> that is what I do on Christmas Day. I just like watch terrible TV you know programs the worst, and watch, drink a lot of Bailey's. The worst thing I ever did was have Bailey's with Cocoa Pops. <laughs> What do you do that for? Just for fun, <laughs> just for p- pure pleasure. Oh my god! I basically had diabetes afterwards, but I had such a nice time. <laughs> it was, it was so lovely. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't yeah. that like over chocolatey though? You no, know, there's no such How thing can... as over chocolatey. It was just delicious. Who are you? I know, uh, Alison. I've been to your house and drunk caramel Baileys. Hey, before. that's not mine. That is that does not that does not belong to me. <laughs> None of that stuff belongs to me. It's so sick, in our it's house, disgusting. basically, basically my other half is like. He's got the like palate of a small child. So he likes alcohol that's like like what you like, Richard. Like like overly Gay drinks. <laughs> no. <laughs> overly sweet. Like car- so there's this salted caramel liqueur thing oh, that he nice. really nice. No, it's disgusting. Whereas I like stuff like vodka. <laughs> just, just alcohol, simply. My my partner loves Advocar. At oh Chris- my God. Oh, that's old school. At Christmas, she drinks uh, Snowballs, which is mm. Advoca with uh, lemonade in. And I've, I've never even been near it. It just looks We're not foul. nostalgic for the past. <laughs> <laughs> so last week we did, which definitely wasn't recorded today as well, last week's show, we talked about the best Christmas films, which Alison refused to join in on. Uh, well, until I capitulated when we went for Love Actually. Oh, I hate she... that film. Really? Why? Oh, my. Where to begin? First of all, it's just this ludicrous, saccharine view of the world. All the men are horrific in it and basically are complete beasts and are, like, cheating on their wives and everything. The women characters are absolutely useless and they're all really supplicant and kind of, I just hate that film beyond belief. But, like, it has a vaguely hopeful version of politics in it. No, it doesn't. It's <laughs> what, got basically... the hot woman finds the hot man? It's got Hugh Grant as Prime Minister. Trust right. me, I've met Hugh Grant. That is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i mean it is under sufferance all of the christmas films i just think like what is the point but i went to see 
and I had never been to see it. Yesterday I went to see, um, obviously, not yesterday because we're unboxing it, yeah. obviously, but a while, ago, ago. <laughs> a while ago. It's a Wonderful Life. That is an amazing film. I have I seen that film alone. once a long time ago, but I've heard, this is going to make me have to sound like a right saddo now, but anyway, in the finance Twitter world... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> we can't even dispute this, can we? So Alison, it's Boxing Day. I know. In the world of finance on Twitter, every year at Christmas, people write articles about, like, what It's a Wonderful Life. Tell us about the nature of the bank. Oh, yeah. It's really true. But honestly, it's, it's yeah. really worth seeing now because it's all about austerity. Yep. It's all about family. It's all about, well, with the Loneliness Commission, it's all about loneliness yeah. and all that kind of thing. I would say if there's one film to watch now... It is. It's a wonderful life. But I was weeping like an orphan throughout it. I mean, it was just, I had such a massive snot bubble at one point. Like, <laughs> the two kids that were sitting next to me were like, Mum, can we move? There's so many disgusting old woman sitting next to me greeting. I watched a bit of Miracle on 34th Street. Do you know week. I have never seen that? I have no desire to. Yeah, that is, that is a weird film more than is anything. It? Yeah, in which, in which a department store, Father Christmas who is actually Father Christmas, has to convince the world that he is Father Christmas because essentially the plot is he replaces someone else who was Father Christmas at the department store and then and then that person hates him and calls him a pedo in the street and so he punches him. Um, and so that is how the, the court case begins. And, and in the court case, um, he's played by uh, Richard Attenborough, obviously a great past Labour peer yeah. but yeah that is essentially the, the plot to the film it is bizarre did they end up changing the membership of the rules of the of the, of the party <laughs> so that you can pay three pounds to join <laughs> anyway I thought well instead of Christmas films which we've now spoken about for about 10 minutes we would do Christmas songs what is the best Christmas song Alison do you have one again not really. <laughs> okay, so Christmas. Just bypass Alison on these. No, 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 no. It's good to challenge myself. <laughs> <laughs> the Pogues one and Kirsty McCall. Definitely yeah. Fairy Tale of New York. That's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I'm, I think I'm down with that. Also, isn't there some like amazing little? Oh, David Bowie and Bing Crosby on uh, Little Drummer Boy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's amazing video. That's pretty cool. It's a bizarre video where they don't seem to like each other very much and they're kind of very standoffish about... There's a kind of weird tension in the room. Well, it's because it's like they're in like a Bing Crosby type world, aren't mm. they? With like jumpers and chinos and things. And then it's like, but you're David Bowie. <laughs> Glam rock hero. <laughs> like, because I don't even know when it was recorded. It must have been the 80s at some point, right? It looks quite 80s the way it's recorded. It's got that kind of 80s sheen to it. Yeah. But I, do you know the ones I really hate? Like, firstly, the one where Noddy Holder goes, It's Christmas. Like, what? Um, and and the kind of um, all of the like more more modern ones. Like, like why is the Spice Girls to become one? Why is that a Christmas song now? Why? I had no idea that it was. To be, is that not on Christmas compilations these days? Well, probably, because it's a nice one. Is oh, it Christmassy, though? Is it Christmassy? I don't know. And um, E17's Day Another Day, which would otherwise be quite a good pop song, but it's now a Christmas song. I think that's just a Christmas song because they wore those white fairy parkers in the, um, in the video. They were once cool. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Well, I've still got mine, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean they were once cool? <laughs> Aisha, what do you think? Okay, so my favourite uh, Christmassy song, which I do karaoke to, 
And I do it with Michael Duggar. Christmas karaoke all year round. Christmas karaoke all year round, yeah. Best done in August, I find. <laughs> um, is Baby It's Cold Outside, where I am Keris Matthews, where I do a really good Glenis Kinnock accent. <laughs> <laughs> And he's Tom Jones, and it's really good. There we go. Wow. Who knew? Me and my best friend uh, play a game where we say, where we put Neil Kinnock in different situations, and you have to kind of like act, give lines from his speeches. Um, so if he was like a... a tra- and I was worried that people would think I was a bit sad after this podcast. <laughs> but so if he was a train announcer, he'd be like, the train coming in at Platform 5 is the 1834 to London Bridge. And why is it that my family... I've gone completely Irish. I'm usually quite good at it. You've gone... Com- this, is, this is not Neil Kinnock at all, this is it? the Prosecco. has gone right to my head. It's like, to be sure, to be sure. It's <laughs> because like- they didn't have the platform to stand on. And, and so you have to give each other oh, different I situations. I see. And how Neil Kinnock would- I see. But Aisha's story... It, it, I mean, it is true that basically pretty much everyone in the Labour Party loves karaoke, I think. And like, there is nothing like, you know, like there is literally nothing that you could say to most Labour politicians that would put them off doing karaoke, no, ever given completely. any opportunity. And I don't understand why we haven't used it more because it is the one thing that genuinely unites us as a party, <laughs> no matter what side of the political divide you're yeah. on, austerity, whatever, exactly. just do karaoke. And that is the way to get like world peace in the yeah. Labour Party. No, no more leadership campaigns. Let's all just go out for a big karaoke. Let's just go to Lucky Voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't particularly love karaoke that much, except when I'm there and someone says, do you want to do a song and they're obvious I'm like yes clearly like absolutely no desire most of the time and then it's just like the inner something in my Labour Party membershipness kicks in and I'm like of course let's do karaoke <laughs> so so who on the front bench would you duet with on the Labour front bench I mean I can't remember if I actually have ever duetted with Johnny Reynolds but I imagine that he's quite oh that doesn't count because he's just a secret progressive he's just serving what about one of the ones well, you, oh, do you mean... this is about creating unity what about oh, one of the I ones oh I see that... what, what, what karaoke would I do with people to create unity um, I don't know who on the front bench is a really is a really strong karaoke John McDonald imagine him I can imagine him being a bit of a crooner actually yeah, yeah I, I can think imagine so. if he, kind if of he ended his top old school button. though old school kind of maybe some Sinatra oh yeah, yeah I, I think that's I think that's maybe true who else have we got Diane Abbott I imagine she's quite quite good at karaoke she could do a karaoke yeah, I think she'd be great Jeremy I think he'd probably be quite good on folk tunes I remember once actually at a PLP Christmas thing George Howarth took it one step further, Member of Parliament for Nosley, didn't just do the karaoke, but, like, someone had a guitar from somewhere and he, like, got up and sang Joe Hill, which is an old folk song, and, like, played it on the guitar. Wow. Yeah. Richard, your favourite Christmas song? I like all of them, really, in a ridiculous camp way and get really excited when the kind of jingles start coming on for... Do you have a Christmas CD of your very own? I just now have a Spotify list. Oh, Why would I need a CD? Did you not me. listen to Peter Kellner's Productivity Edition? Anyway, but I am going to do a shout out for the Christmas hymn, not just the <gasps> song. I love a hymn. Oh, so in my little too. town, so I'm from a place called Leighton Buzzard, which is this tiny little market town about 40 minutes north of Euston. And on Christmas Eve, every year, 
everybody in the town goes to the high street and we do carols in the oh. high street, which is just amazing. And then Santa comes. He visits Lane Buzzard specially. It's really oh. it's a really busy night for him, Super but like busy. he pops in and that's really cool. And he throws sweeties out to all the little kids before he goes and gives them proper presents through the night. And we sing all of it. Last year, I found myself standing next to the mayor of Tower Hamlets, bizarrely, John Biggs was there. I was like, you're John Biggs, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. It's like, who the hell are you? Why, was, why do you know who I am? He what what was he doing in Leighton Buzzard? Well, his mum lives there in a care oh. home, so he's gone up to visit her. Oh. So him and his sister have gone out to the carols. So that was really sweet. My favourite hymn is the Come Let Us Adore hymn, where they all start really <gasps> quickly. Come let us adore. Oh, come. And, you get, and then you get louder and louder, and then obviously you can just like shout it really loud. It's amazing. And then, I had, you know, that is my favorite. I had a near religious experience singing that a couple of weeks ago. Really? <laughs> Suddenly, someone's big organ came out, and they like they were really cranking it out with the choir. And I was like, "This is like karaoke, and I'm a Muslim. I'm really into this. This is proper unity." Yeah, exactly. But so. I'm an absolute atheist, but my Christmas confession is that actually on Saturday, one of my friends from school, who's a singer, was doing carols uh, in Liverpool and me and another of our friends went over there and I couldn't help myself. It's like even though, you know, it, you, you grow up with these things and they're just so, they're just there, aren't they? They're, even if you think you don't know the words. I know. You actually do. Everyone knows the words. And they're so comforting. Yeah. I love a carol. I love a carol. Obviously, my family still go to the kind of carol concerts uh, at Christmas every single year. The one I always remember is O Come All Ye Faithful, um, which is, but my grandma Sheila would always sing it in Latin, um, which is Adeste Fidelis. But everyone else would be singing English, but but she just preferred it in Latin. And so she would always sing it. I love some rebellious Latin. (laughs) (laughs) The best Christmas song of all time, without doubt, is definitely Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by... Arlene Brown. Of course it is. Can you sing it? Give us a little rendition. I mean, I don't know whether we would be able to get the rights because I would sing it so well that people would think that we're... (laughs) Excuses, excuses. Christmas. Christmas. (laughs) The snow's coming down. I'm watching it fall. Lots of people around. Baby, please come home. Yeah, of course. What? (laughs) That is... It's a famous Christmas song. It's a really famous Christmas song. And you I sung it like it, the original. This is like, like one of those things that's, in your eyes. that's like, like famous in your house, right? <laughs> no, it's a famous. I don't think I know that song. Right. Connor, I think you just have to tweet it on Boxing Day. Okay, but Today. everyone definitely knows. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the song? I've, I, love, I love that Live Aid song, Do They Know It's Christmas oh, Time. And I remember really? when... Um, okay, I think that's... It's just so no, cheesy, but I love, and I remember Ed Miliband had this Christmas what? party, and it's like we were all singing his it, birthday Christmas and he was like pretending to sing with the cans. Stephen Twig's birthday is Christmas Day. I think Ed Miliband's well. is Christmas Day, so all yeah. the twenty fourth really? or something like that. Yeah, I think so mine's is. the thirtieth. Mine's the fifteenth. So, like, what is it with December and birthdays? It's weird. It's not good having your mm, birthday in December. Terrible. It's absolutely terrible having your birthday in December. Yeah. My mind is in January. The what of January? The 8th. Wow. My first day back to work next year. (laughs) Will we be doing a Progressive Britain podcast on that day? We will be. On your birthday? On my birthday, yeah. Oh, let's have a party. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Let's do it. But if you, so have either of you been made to work over the Christmas period then, or even on your birthday? Because politics, obviously, famously, does not really kind of respect the work-life boundary. Well, 
<clears throat> no, I mean, when I when I worked for some politicians, it was less a Christmas thing, more just like, you know, there would be times where you'd be in the supermarket on a Sunday afternoon and you'd get a phone call. And now that I am a politician, I try very hard not to <laughs> make our jobs invade uh, the personal lives of everybody around me. But Christmas Day itself is the one day where it stops because everyone just kind of has a collective, appropriately, truce on that day. But then there's, you know, the Labour Party tradition of what should we be thinking about on the Christmas period? Obviously, fox hunting. It is not <laughs> Boxing Day and Labour it's without not, a it's, it, it is not Boxing Day without a Labour Party press release that goes out that says, you know, the Tories and their secret plan to bring, bring back fox hunting. <laughs> Who is the Shadow Environment Secretary? Who's going to, who, whose job is it this year to... It used to be Mary Craze. I remember poor Andrew Pates had to uh, do it. Yeah, well, it's a really hard job, obviously, because you have to, like... Do we not have, like, a shadow minister for fox hunting? Probably. <laughs> Chris we... Williamson, I'm sure, he'll be against uh, it. Didn't didn't Theresa May sort of look a bit like she might bring it back, fox hunting? Oh, that was a kind of a moment in the really brilliant election campaign that they fought. That was another thing. They were gonna, yeah, her two things were like grammar schools and fox hunting. Right, right. And so it's funny, actually, because from the point of view of like Westminster politics, the idea of fox hunting coming back is like people just think absolutely not, no. But then every election that I fought, like somebody always comes and asks me or writes to me saying, can I just check, are you against fox hunting? And I'm like, of course I am. Absolutely, of course I am. But people really care about it. So maybe those boxing... Don't the Tories really care about it? It was in the manifesto, wasn't it? it was yeah, the, a, the yeah, Tories yeah. care about... voter-repellent manifesto in 2017. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, like, but I think we'll kill fo- the foxes. But I think fox hunting did actually have something to do with it, not to go all serious and non-Boxing Day Christmas party here. But I think people... I mean, we have just spent 20 minutes talking about Christmas songs. I think you're OK to talk about politics for two minutes. OK, well, very briefly... <laughs> We kind of write off fox hunting as something that's like just a dawn and it's just, just forget it. But I don't think the public have. I think they still slightly suspect that the Tories, as was demonstrated in their voter repellent manifesto in the June election, given half a chance, would bring it back. Oh, definitely. Was it, was it in the manifesto, the, the Tory I'm pretty one? sure it was. Yeah, I th- I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it, it was. I, I, can't, presumed, I can't quite remember, but I remember Theresa May saying something about it and me thinking, that's excellent because, my, you know, the yeah, public yeah, yeah. in Wirral South, honestly... If, you, if there was any sniff of bringing fox hunting back, they would just be outraged. Because they lose on both sides, don't they? Because the people who are against it, the people who think, why the hell would you... Fo- if you can only pass 20 bills a year, one of them would be allow people to kill foxes for sport. I don't, exactly. Bizarre. I'd kind of presumed that basically she'd just been asked the question on a campaign trail and had not really thought about it. So I went, well, I don't know. No, no, I think it was actually. I think it was like a thing. This is one of yeah. those, This was like a big sign that things were not yeah, going no, particularly no. well for them yeah. when they were sort of scrabbling around with that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Richard, have you ever had to work over Christmas? I have had to work over Christmas before. I used to work for John Mann, who is obviously wonderful and a total force of nature. And I and famously laid back. And fame exactly and famously <laughs> laid back. He is somebody who can just kick back over Christmas and not think about these things. And to be fair, I absolutely loved working for him and every minute of it. And we worked on mainly on the all-party group on combat anti-Semitism stuff. So I had to work one year to go to Lamud, which is the Jewish cultural festival that happens. I think at Warwick University. It was certainly Warwick University then. I think it's still at Warwick University. And it's a really amazing uh, event. And he went and did a talk there, which I had to staff him at between Christmas and New Year. But I remember one year I got a phone call from him on Boxing Day where something had happened. It's like, we must get an article in the mirror tomorrow in a very kind of intense John Mann way. And uh, and that was my boxing and d- day. And did you say did you say all the journalists will be at home? No, I think it was worse because t- I think the guy from the Mirror had contacted him, being like, "I've got to fill a paper tomorrow. No, that's Please, John Mann will give us a quote. Who, who knew? It's <laughs> not like he's a rental quote, but the um, but it didn't come from me. I had to and do it which I, I did thoroughly enjoy I don't have a problem with but I think it was great respite from my family really sorry guys I've got to work I'm very sorry that I can't participate <laughs> in this so basically politics becomes an excuse at the point where you've decided you've had enough of your family I think that's an outrageous thing to say <laughs> <laughs> of course this applies to no one here, just in case members of our families are listening, now, Aisha, which mine thankfully never do. You've basically made a kind of post-Labour government career out of retelling the ridiculous stories that you've got from having worked for Gordon Harriet and Ed Miliband over the years and just seeing politics up close like that. Have you had to work over Christmas and New oh, Year? Oh, I always had to work over Christmas and New Year. You sort of, when you're a political advisor, a special advisor, a chief of staff level, you just work the whole time. You're sort of there as a counselling service <laughs> to your um, to your principal. My kind favourite of boss. story for you was when you were at the National Policy Forum with Harriet, and Harriet texted you going, why are people texting each other but nobody's texting me? <laughs> exactly. Make sure you text me back so it looks like I'm getting text messages about whatever everyone else is getting text messages about. <laughs> and we were sitting next to each other. <laughs> She's like, why is nobody texting me? This is ridiculous. And then she texted me and she sent me texts going, who just texted you? And I was like, you did. <laughs> 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 and I used to get messages from Ed because Ed always used to do a relaunch every new year. That was like the thing. Oh my so you'd get this email thing or you'd you get also a used phone to call. brief it as a relaunch yeah, every year. That which is a really favorite. good way to do stuff. So I'd get this phone call from Ed going, oh, honestly, what's what's the plan for the relaunch? Like, how's the relaunch going? And so I'm like, it's Christmas Day, dude. Like, you know, it's your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the worst actually offenders were before I was a special advisor, I was a civil servant and I worked at the Department of Trade and Industry. And we used to put out this big press release, which we would do for regionals and obviously nationals. And we'd put it out on the 31st um, embargoed for the first. And it was all about 
let this year, and I used to literally slave over it. And the title of the press release was, let's make this year the year we really get a better work-life balance. (laughs) (laughs) The irony. The irony. And I'd have some like minister going, have you got that press release out? (laughs) I'm like, my fingers are really sore from typing. (laughs) Get it out, get it out. I've got to get this work-life balance balance. (laughs) Work harder to get this work-life balance story out. I remember doing a little bit of work, not much, obviously, last year for uh, Richard's New Year's resolution. Oh, I to stop the McDonald Amendment, which kind of worked. Sure, we we, we got ten percent, <laughs> not five percent. But you, it was as near as a victory we've had all year. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying that that was a, that was a New Year's resolution. I think it was in the Guardian on on the first of January, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, you, it do, do you mean perhaps like that the Progress Office might need to discover a bit of work life balance? In no, can I just say we're a very good suggest- employer, and we close the office, and people get. Not only like the time off, it doesn't even count as part of the holiday. Oh, wow. We're a good okay. employer. Great. And and compared to the work that I did, which wasn't actually over the Christmas period the year before, but was when I was working as a reporter at Labourlist and Jeremy Corbyn had the reshuffle in the new year oh, yeah. that I think lasted for about ten days in the end. And I spent the entire time on that stairwell outside of his office desperately trying to find out any information. And I think the news came in and just like drips and drabs. Always at about half 11 at night after you'd been there for about 10 hours, sat literally on the steps with a laptop. It wasn't the easiest kind of falling back into work after (laughs) a couple of weeks off. Yeah, that's what what nobody wants. Walk back into a reshuffle that goes on for a while. Anyway, I think it's good as well around this time of year to reflect on the year that we've just had, on the dizzying highs and the terrifying lows of 2017. Would anyone like to offer their reflections first? Well... The election. I mean, I was thinking about this actually because uh, 2016 was in many ways a terrible, terrible year. I don't think we need to run through again why that was. And 2017, in terms of the dealing with the fallout of 2016, 2017 has been uh, very, very difficult as well. But for me, you know, if somebody had told me in a year ago, in the beginning of 2017, we're going to have a general election this year, you know, I would have felt like a massive sense of foreboding and like, you know, wow, how on earth are we going to get through this? But actually, I mean, not not only did it go kind of well for Labour, I know we didn't win, but it did go kind of well. Not only did it go kind of well, but also like it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was really hard work, but but it was a lot of fun. I don't remember and, you feeling like it was a lot of fun at the time. No, no, I didn't feel like it was a lot of fun at the time, but on reflection... I felt so happy spending time with like my friends and all the people around me. Mm. It was hard not to sort of, against your better instincts, feel good about the warmth that we were getting from the public. Mm. So whilst it was hard work, it wasn't hard work necessarily as much as I thought it was going to be on the doorsteps and there was an incredible amount of warmth. And then the public do this massively brilliant thing, which is basically turn down Theresa May's hard Brexit, mm. which opened up this massive opportunity for us to say... You know, if we're going to do Brexit, let's do it in a better, more sensible way. So I feel like, especially the second half of 2017, which is just stealing a mint, another mince pie there, <laughs> Boxing Day, folks, if, you know, now is the time to go and get yourself another mince pie, because if Richard Angel can, anyone can. Uh, so, yeah, the second half of 2017, I feel like, has been a, an excellent restorative after the horrors of Aisha, what was the favourite occasion that you called out a racist on a flagship BBC politics show? <laughs> oh, yes, this was, this was good as well. This was good as well. 
I've had quite a few ding dongs this year. I had a big row with a, a man on Question Time. Yeah. We were talking about Angela Merkel. He was going, "She's a communist. She's a com- you're a lawyer. She's a communist." I was like, "Okay, there's many things that Angela Merkel is, but she's definitely not a communist." Let's be <laughs> no. quite honest. And then yeah, I had a bit of a ding dong with Nigel Farage on the Andrew Marshall, and I have to say that was so cathartic. Oh, <laughs> so proud of you. You did it for us all. Aisha. Oh, you did it for us all. You. Like, and in fact, you know. To be honest, right, that could be your main job from now on. I think it should be. <laughs> yeah. Pay you to follow him round and just be sassy with it's him. What, it's what we need, basically. The thing that was so interesting is beforehand, it was just really interesting watching his body language because he just gets treated like a rock star everywhere he goes. But why? He just exudes this, like, ridiculous and really interesting confidence mm. and, you know, he gets treated like a celebrity. And I think he's just not had anyone challenge him and wow. stick it to him for a long time. So I think he was genuinely quite shocked How by the whole thing. You. Yeah. Mm. And he sort of rushed off in a big grump and he looked furious. And I wow. thought, yeah, you, someone's got under your skin and you don't yeah. like it. You're so used to having it your own way. So I just thought this kind of red mist descended on me when all the yeah. sort of pink mist descended <laughs> on me. Seriously though, this from now on, I think we need to work out a model a business where you can just like follow Nigel Farage around like the mirror chicken just just like just like just exactly just like following him around like standing behind him saying you're actually wrong about that Nigel. you're wrong about that Nigel just let you know I'm you still and here Dance could do it together yeah, yeah. you just chase him around Literally. yeah but of he course now he's saying that he's all poor me and I'm all skinned and I'm all broke oh, and I'm all single and no doubt he's going to blame all the immigrants for that it's like no that yeah. is entirely your own fault the combination of the yeah. immigrants and the women yeah. it's all yeah. their fault yeah dear oh dear well that was that was brilliant that was a genuinely great moment where you spoke for all of us it was amazing oh thank you Richard I think I can probably guess what your favorite moment of the year was but I'll I'll let you go other than seeing Theresa May look absolutely like "Ah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was so good wasn't it it? sorry let's just relive that for a second so much joy in the Tories lose I just so my my, so arrogant I know and it doesn't feel good ever to say like like it's nice to see someone lose. But the Tories, it really is. And especially because she, her whole year was posited on the idea that she was just going to turn off and have this general election, win loads, yeah. and, you know, conquer all before her. And, like, I mean, just don't no, take I t- the I British t- public I, t- for granted. I totally, totally agree with that. And I think one of the things that I found really heartening this year, especially when I was doing my stand-up tour, which started on the day Theresa May called the snap general wow. election. Quick so rewrite. Exactly, like massive, massive rewrite. But what was so interesting going around the country and chatting to people afterwards and stuff was this feeling that all the stuff that is kind of labor values that we've been talking about for a long, long time and an argument we'd be trying to push people like I think the public consciousness is shifting and actually people were like I am sick of the status quo I am sick of the way the conservatives are running the government and running the country and I actually did feel quite a lot of hope for what we could achieve as a party if we're able to sort of come together and that does make me feel quite excited so actually the 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 moment that I loved most in the election campaign wasn't actually the exit poll but it was the moment a couple of weeks earlier when she gave that speech kind of going back on a, a huge part of her social care policy where she stands in front of the journalist while they're all asking her questions and she just goes, nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing has nothing changed. changed. And that was the moment I was like, you're actually terrified yeah. of how this election is going. That yeah. is the moment that was like, the, poll, the polls in the newspapers may tell you one thing, but people always go, oh, but the private polling, the private yeah. polling that the Tories have says something very, very different. It's like, 
your private polling is as bad as what we're seeing, What isn't I think it? so remarkable about that election is only one thing needed to change for it to be a different outcome. Just turn up to the debate, admitting it was a, yeah. a U-turn, not publishing that terrible manifesto. It was. I think it was just this sense that they had just built this level of arrogance and then watching them get it served back in them. And I, I was in West Streeting seat where obviously he won totally against the odds in 2015, tiny majority, 589. And then the, the Tories were so repugnant on polling day in 2015. They were homophobic. They were really like, they'd seen the polls and they were just like, no way. And I got our little team together and said, like, it's awful what's happening in the country, but something quite special might be happening here. And then we watched their little faces drop. Anyway, so they come back a few years like They definitely think they're going to do it. They've, they've seen the poll, the opinion polls this time and go, oh, maybe this isn't going to be great for us. And they opened the safest Tory ward in our constituency and we won it by 69 votes. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. And at that point, they looked, we all just gave up. It was amazing. And we were just like, so little jig. This is, the th- <laughs> this is the thing that people don't quite realise unless they've been on an election. And especially, like, I'm not being funny, but lots of people might have campaigned in an election where it was a safe seat, they knew what the result was going to be, and they might have gone to help in a marginal seat. But unless you've been there at the count and like suffered the kind of arrogance of the Tories on the ground in a marginal seat where the Tories think they're going to win and they always think they're going to win I don't know what oh it is God, yeah. I don't know what it is that they Wherever tell they them are. in Tory in party Liverpool, HQ like they literally rivalry. they literally I mean we're all you know Wirral is a marginal part of Merseyside and the Tories did used to have, you know we always held Birkenhead and the Tories had the other three seats until 92 but the Tories in my part of the world always think they're going to win and Unless you've kind of lived with that level of arrogance all day, every day, and your activists are sort of like trying really hard despite it all, and you turn up at a count and you see those boxes open and you see the votes pile up, I don't think people can know what it feels like to beat the Tories and, as Richard says, to see the look on their faces as they realise that they have lost again. And, I mean, you know, we may... Our electoral fortunes may go up, they may go down or whatever, but... I will always be grateful for 2017 and our Labour voters and our Labour supporters and everybody just turning out. And I think, as Aisha said it quite right, there's something about Labour values that people thought, I don't know what's going on in the world, but I know what I believe inside and I'm just going to vote that way. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I look, so what I, do you think my favourite part of the year was? I thought it might be when we managed to keep progress going. <laughs> that, was quite a big one. that was good. I thought that might be it. That was, I mean, because actually the outpouring of support for progress when we had our funding troubles in the summer and the amount of people who did go above and beyond to actually carry on making a kind of public stance saying that they support our politics and want to see us push an agenda more, I thought was... Yeah, I think it was really... Spe- it, I mean, when I received that news that that at the end of this year, David Sainsbury's funding would end. It was obviously totally understandable and it wasn't totally out of the blue, partly because of the commitments he'd made to Cambridge University, where, of course, he is Chancellor. And he has been generous for so very long. But you did think, like, this is impossible. And I actually don't think I know anyone that thought it was possible, basically. And that's partly why I decided, let's do it. Like, I can't fail because everyone thinks it's impossible, right? So let's try. And the first person that asked for money did turn me down, which did upset me sorry about that yeah (laughs) and um but essentially i think that people pulled through and what was amazing like how many people like 60 percent of our membership increased what they give so going from what on average was two pounds a month to three or more and people can still do it if i'm done yet but it was like it was amazing and people were actively calling the office like i want to help isn't that also about the kind of shifts that have happened so whether it's trump or brexit 
the idea that there does need to be an organisation that says this is what progressive Britain is all about. Yeah. That it needs to exist. And that other parts of the Labour Party have their own USPs, but kind of progressive politics as against the forces of conservatism is needed. And that now, you know, in 2018, we get to talk about what that looks like and sort of redefine it for ourselves. And I think that attitude of, well, we've got nothing to lose. Everyone thinks we can't do it. Let's give it a go. Was exactly what we saw everywhere we went around the country campaigning during the general election. Yeah. I remember there's that brilliant in, uh, I think it was in um, Chester, which had the smallest Labour majority. 92. Actually. 92. And yeah, and as you go up the stairs to the campaign office there, they, you had to go up kind of two flights of stairs. And then the, there was a sign that they handmade as you went up the first flight. And it said, Chester is the Tories' first um, target seat for this election. And then as you went up the second, it said, let's make it their first disappointment. Hey. And it's just like a little kind of like push of like, this doesn't look good, but we're going to give it a go. And obviously we won there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's right. You know, people around the country knew our backs were against the wall, but it turns out in the Labour Party, when your back's against the wall, turns out we know how to fight. And yeah. also, you know, I have to say, not always being as big as fan, but credit where credit's due, I think what Jeremy Corbyn did in yeah. terms of yeah. activating and, and motivating exactly. young Really motivating lots incredible. of people to go yeah. and do something. that is quite weird. I mean, um, Paul Mason called it militaristic campaigning, where you got to sent out with a piece of sheet of paper and you must go to this door and you must have this conversation. No, but they got it. And they got it. And, and it, Do you know what I... What's so- nice is, I think, that the traditional members who basically had organised the clipboards and done... It, we all came together and yeah. saw that... You need two wings to fly. But also that, you know, I I do love and hate elections in the sense that they're terrifying. And I know that losing elections always has massive consequences. Mm. So you hate to lose. But on reflection, not whilst you're in the middle of them, but on the re- on reflection, you learn so many things and yeah. you kind of learn to learn that there's something that pulls everybody together, our values, and that, you know, we don't all need to get along every day but in an election situation you know you look after each other and you do it together and I think people relearn you know the best of Labour values and the best of what we do and the best of the voters we'd like to talk about the voters as a kind of aggregate or opinion poll and I just like talking to them I think they're amazing like I think it's most British people are great true (laughs) fact (laughs) fact but also I mean I just for for me I was, I was getting my hair done as I regularly do people. <laughs> you do now. No, you, Aisha now, has a yes, off the telly. Exactly. Yeah. Now that I'm a chicken yeah. <laughs> following Farage, I have to have my hair done. And um, the the apprentice that like washes the hair, like I always try and get her to talk about politics and she literally is like, leave me alone. You're such a giant old granny. Like, walk <laughs> off and leave me alone. And she herself said to me, oh, I've got something to tell you. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, I'm voting. I was like, shut Brilliant. up. She's like, yeah, I'm voting. I'm voting for the Labour Party. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I was like, that is so cool. That is mm. brilliant. And she was like fizzing with excitement yeah. about wanting to vote for the Labour Party. And she never, ever wants to talk about politics. I there thought, you go. that is, that yeah, is job it. done. Magic. I think that is a brilliant story to leave us with for today. I'm afraid we've run out of time. There's no political pub quiz today. Uh, no. We'll, we'll have more of that. When, not even for Boxing Day. I'm afraid not. We'll have more of that when normal service resumes in the new year. It's been wonderful to have Aisha Hazarika joining us today. Merry Christmas, Aww. Aisha. Merry yeah, Christmas, Christmas, all the listeners. Thank you. And there's no need to worry about suffering from progressive Britain withdrawal. We will be back on Friday for a review of the year show and on January 2nd as well. As always, do get in touch and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Happy Christmas, everyone.
You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with me, Alison McGovern. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton, who produced this podcast. Mm-hmm.